The following program is intended for mature audiences. You're listening to Bottom Shelf Recording Talk. Sounds boring. Oh my, yeah. With your hosts, James Seabrook. Okay, you were paying attention, but the idea is clear in my head, but translating it into English is not. That's brutal. I understand the hypocrisy. And Joey Roach. I don't even know what you do. I was just told you were the man. Some people would say I'm overconfident. That could be my ego talking, though. I'm trying to think of the right word. Oh. Yeah. Must be a tough word. Next subject. Uh, you're bored with this one? You don't hear us gassing on about it. Give you in the horn. I don't think it means what you think it means. By the way, you know, when you're when you're telling these little stories, you have a big mouth. Here's a good idea. What are you even talking about? Have a point. Why are you airing personal matters with complete strangers? It makes it so much more interesting <laughs> for the listener. So now she's looking for something to bang things no. on. No, she's looking for she's looking for something to play with. We, we're joined by the puppy again today. So distractions will ensure we're expecting a guest maybe yes the expectation Assuming is that he wakes up well, see, he called me this morning Ooh. about it so the the expectation is will he actually show up in time to be on the podcast because we're starting half an hour late yeah uh already so he, and he was hoping counting on us starting half an hour late and expecting to be here by now Okay. So I don't know what to say. When he shows up, he shows up. If he doesn't show up, if he shows up in the last five minutes, well. Oh, well. Yeah, exactly. Um, today, we have some actual useful... Oh, I, I take that back. I don't want to use the term useful. That might imply Have our listeners much. been listening to the podcast? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I assume so. <laughs> okay, so we have been... Um, both of us have been in the um, realm of experimenting with a DAW change. Now, for myself, I've been looking for a new DAW to mix in because I'm less than satisfied with everything else that I have. Okay. You are looking for a new DAW to track and edit in no i think no you just want to play uh i'm experimenting with this daw because i was given a free copy <laughs> oh, okay <laughs> here's a free 800 daw exactly have fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> okay um so the license is only good for four months but what oh, really four months is a long trial period i don't know man and i, I mean know. i can renew it every four months Oh, you can so you can renew the free every four months. You just have to go through some sort of yeah. The perks process. of working in retail. Okay, so what um, what is the DAW you're talking about? Cubase nine, to be exact. Right. I want to see what. what they got. I've read the the propaganda of what they've done in Cubase nine, and it doesn't sound all that um, impressive. It sounds like a Pro Tools update to me. <laughs> and I don't know if... I don't know. I don't yeah. think Pro Tools is a bad DAW, but let's be honest. Their updates don't give you much. You usually have to wait till like your three versions behind before there's like a significant... Significant change. Change, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I was forced from 10 to 12 just because I have students. Otherwise, I probably wouldn't have made the switch. Yeah. 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 Like 10, I think is great. 11 yep. and 12, the, the 
the updates for those, while they are great, they're only great for like the AV guy, the guys doing video. Well, and, and, and the two things, the two things that I like about 12 over 10 is specifically, um, the offline bounce that's handy in a pinch. Oh yeah. I forgot to stay. 10 didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. They introduced I remember that in when 11. that that came out. I was like, I, I straight up told everybody, it's about time. Every other company has had it for. You, you know what their reasoning years. was though? What their reasoning was very audio elitism, but they wanted to make sure that when they did an offline bounce, that sample was, for sample, it was identical to an uh, to a live bounce. That's what they wanted to make sure. Care enough if one of my thousands of samples is off. But the the market at the time, the market that they were catering to was still the pro market, and they tend to care about those things more often but than they don't. The at least, at least the old wanting does. offline bounce because it would make it so that they could do more work. There's in, nothing worse than working on a three hour documentary and having to bounce it out live. Yeah. Which means I'm going to go for lunch. I'm going to go grocery shopping. I'm going to buy more Sharpies because people keep stealing my Sharpies. Really? Oh, dude. I'm, I'm not even going to get into that yet. <laughs> um, but it was, it, it was, it was really handy for a lot of, for a lot of the everyday stuff. You know, I mean, the, the number of the number of times I'll do, I'll do a, you know, like eight revisions over seven songs on an album, and have to bounce them out in, or have to get them to the client in a turnaround of hour and a half. That doesn't happen with offline bouncing, right? No, it was one of the it was one of the big reasons why I steered away from um, Pro Tools well, for the longest time, and it seemed like a lot of the professional world has been steering away from pro tools and going to like your Cubase or um, logic. I heard, I think it might've been Bobby Osinski even um, talking about how pro, one of the biggest reasons pro tools is losing its market share is because it didn't cater to home studio guys and girls who are now becoming the professionals right yeah like they're the, the old the old school is slowly dying out the younger generation is Coming slowly in, taking and over you need a job that caters to them uh, exactly i mean you, you needed to be able to you need to be able to run it without horsepower because you can't afford a fifteen thousand dollar pro tools rig yeah. especially as when you're starting out and so many so many people are, are, are realizing that you know, two hundred dollar logic, uh, sixty dollar Reaper, um, torrented version of of Fruity Loops, all do reasonable jobs at at something, and there's no reason there, there's no reason to change once you already know. Even even a lot of even a lot of commercial studios are catering to that by having multiple DAWs set up on their systems. Yeah. You know, I mean, even something as far as like we talked last week about, about radar, um, allowing DAW integration and multiple DAWs integrating into their systems. That still right? seems like an overpriced yeah, yeah, it is, computer. 
I talked to I talked to a guy, like a, an old guy, um, yesterday, who talked my ear off for fifty three minutes about, um, and he's using radar at home because he re- he refuses. He loves digital, loves everything about digital except for the computers, and so he uses radar. That's that's fair. <laughs> you can't argue with that at all, right? No, I I, I understand that there is a niche market for a radar. Mm-hmm. But like I look at it, and for myself, it's just like, wow! Well, and I, and I, I think could buy a couple computers. I think and a big integrate part of, them in a way. That a big part of that is you understand computers, and if something goes wrong in a computer, you're you can you can pretty much figure it out. Yeah. Whereas this guy, older generation, um, possibly not as familiar with computers, radar just works. Right. Well, it, it, it does one thing. It's cheaper than a tape deck, which is what he was used to. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, and I mean, he, for, for all I know, he's just he's using a he's using a that makes sense for people who uh, <laughs> who just aren't used to doing the computer thing. Yeah, uh, I pretty much learned on a computer. Yeah, uh, I did for the most part just, too. It didn't make sense to buy a four track even though those were still available when I got into recording. Yeah. Mostly because I didn't have like the $5,000 they wanted for the entry level four track. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. This, uh, I think at the time, um, amplitude was like just coming out with their first version and they had a USB cable with it (laughs) that attaches to your guitar or something like that. That's awesome. That's what I bought for like, 120 bucks or something pretty yeah inexpensive right <laughs> that's fantastic and then later i bought a usb mic thinking oh it'll be the same nowadays i'm like oh i want converters and all the preamps and all the com- uh compressors <laughs> yeah i've been You've slowly been- venturing into the hardware world yeah yeah and it's I'm sorry about that. She looks like she's trying to tear your finger off. Um, you've been you've been slowly turning into me, which I apologize for if I've played any part of that. But I don't think I have. No, I think <laughs> I was already down that rabbit hole before you. You just helped me understand it more, and thus want facilitate hardware. I have been told I'm an enabler. I would have probably still. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, yeah, I know. You'd still be an addict one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Being uh, that I work where I work now, it's like <laughs> I have conversations where I'm like, oh, maybe I should get a 500 series rack because it, <laughs> it is the synth modular for recording geeks. Mm-hmm. Exactly is. Yeah. It exactly is. That was the whole reason I made the switch, right? Is because I knew I knew I would want to buy stuff and then I'd figure it out and I'd want to sell it and then I'd want to replace it and I'd just hot swap things. Yeah. Right? That's one of the reasons on the patch bay, the API lunchbox and the radial um workhorse, they're not labeled by module, they're labeled by slot number. <laughs> because I fully expect to move things around, to swap things in and out. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't know if I'll swap things out. I just, I, I'm, I'm, I don't know. Ah, 
Part of yep. me wants a 500 series rack so I could start loading it up. Mm-hmm. And another part of me wishes that I was doing that like five years ago because I could have got an API 512C for significantly less money than what they're worth now, which is like $1,200 per module. You know what? Um, uh, last night, last night I did a, I did a uh, bounce on a mix. Yeah. And as I've started doing, um, I've been bouncing it out through, uh, through the rack couple of compressors doing little tiny notches um the EVQ and bounce it out through um through a couple of uh um preamps to reamp it yeah right give it some saturation and stuff right a little bit of limiting so i i have the pair of great rivers and then i have the two tone beasts and i tried i did four passes i did both of them running very light limiting uh, and then both of them running very heavy limiting. Hmm. And here's what I, here's what I came to came to decide last night as I'm listening, had trouble hearing the difference real, had 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 a real lot of trouble hearing the difference. The tone beasts had a little bit of extra mid range space Okay. Right. Almost like they created this sense of space between, between the vocals and the instruments, just a touch. But the great rivers had such a beautiful low end. Hmm. It, it did wonderful things for the snare drum specifically. Um, it tightened up the, the kick and the bass guitar. Um, and just like, added this wonderful polish that I know is going to get killed in mastering. And that makes me sad, but, um, unless I have control over who masters it, but, but yeah, I, I was, it was, it was really interesting to hear how little difference there was, especially as I'm pushing the crap out of these, out of these, uh, these beasts. Sorry. Um, Yes, you want to load it up with a five twelve. Uh, you've you've I would seen like a five twelve, but I I think I'd be more than happy with a WA five twelve too. Well, and 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 the the new the new um, the WA the 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 single slot units mm-hmm. have come with an output trim or an output yeah. fader, but so have the APIs. Like the API. Oh yeah, I saw that that API finally released a, an output, so now you can actually. Drive it as hard as you want, and, and which I think is fantastic. Attenuate the output signal. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I saw that. Um, my only, my only, com- more audio has discontinued uh, the first rendition of their five twelves, yeah. and then put that knob there. W A twelve. That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. Because everybody, everybody was saying like, "What the hell?" Well, and like, and I th- we love the fact that you made the API preamp, but give us the thing that everybody, everybody who has an API wants and yeah. that's the output attenuator. And that was the only, that was the real, really the only reason I went with the, um, I went with the tone beasts was to have that output attenuation. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, both warm audio and API now have it. It's, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But the API 500 series modules are like $1,200 each. Whereas warm audio, it's like 500 bucks. 
It's still not bad. Yeah. The, the, the warm audio. Yeah. 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 And I'm fighting with the idea of buying a, a Golden Age LA3A clone. <laughs> yes, we talked about that a couple 600 weeks ago. bucks. Like, oh, uh, man. Right? Is it is it 600 Canadian? I thought you said it was like 800 oh, Canadian. I forgot to look at what the price was. I just Fair knew enough. that we could get it. So I've been putting it on the list of things that um, yeah. our store should get. Because right now... Uh, I've actually been approached by um, my uh, PA manager, I guess, say his position. Okay. He's sure. the yeah. head guy for the PA side of the store. Okay. But I've been approached and was asked, like, because I'm a, a studio guy and he's more of a keyboards guy. Right. He asked me to help him come up with a list of, of more higher to mid-range stuff that we can put on display because it kind of sucks when we're getting... We're the big store, so like a lot of people will call us and be like, do you have this? And we always have to be like, no, you have to go to downtown. And if we try to order in some of the higher to mid-range stuff, head office says, oh, you've never sold that, so we're not going to let you order it. And it's just like, well, we haven't sold it because, because we've never had it. We never had it. And we've always had to give this business to downtown. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, with him and our store managers, we're. The conclusion has been like, yes, we're going to get some, some better gear that caters to right. the more professional crowd because we do get those guys in and we're we have been throwing money away to the other locations well i i know it's been a big reason why i stopped going to the long and mcquades just as a rule is they don't usually have anything that i might be interested in you know it's very few things there's special order things that i know but special order stuff i usually just end up calling the um the online sales thing yeah and then they can deliver it right to my door well and that's been so part of my argument to, uh, to <laughs> like to get it to the point where it is right now, where we are getting the stuff. My argument has been like, I know people yeah. who don't come here because we don't have it right here ready for them to just take it. Yeah. And if we had some gear, like, like, I don't know. I just, when I have to help out in PA, I, I'm it's, it kind of, Sucks because people would be like, "Oh, what? What would you if you built a studio and money wasn't an object? What would you have?" It's just like, <sighs> well, we don't carry. There's only we don't a actually handful have of either. things here that, if money was no object, yeah, I would want. I love the rest that of the game. stuff. You would have to special order. Mm. I love playing that game, though. You know, like here's a budget. Plan out a studio. Build yourself. Like build that, me a studio is one of my favorite projects when I was in school was like, you have a budget. I think yeah. um, he, he told us you get to decide how much the budget is. Right. And I think I limited myself to a million dollars to build a studio. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> See, I've always played that game. Like you have $15,000. What can you do? <laughs> oh, and I mean, it's a Williger. I, what was it? I yeah, was, you had 10. Right? You have $10,000. 3000 of that has to go to the computer. 
Spend it. <laughs> Spend it wisely. <laughs> That's awesome. And I wasn't even given like any uh, uh, time to think about it, really. Like I was pretty much like, here's the money. We're going to Long McQuaid. Well, and you had you had a pretty good idea right off the hop what you were gonna what well, you were yeah. gonna invest in, right? And I I knew that I was going to get to decide on the gear. It's just the moment that you know somebody hands you ten thousand dollars cash, and then you realize like this is a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah, this is right. a lot of stuff. And then he then he handcuffed you by by um forcing your hand on the on the converter too right yeah 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 he, he did all sorts of though things. if i if i got my choice of converter like there's a quarter of the budget right which is fair i mean not and fair we would have had to special order it yeah which he wouldn't have liked because oh we have to wait a couple weeks to get this part <laughs> yeah right um I want to go, and I constantly complained about that converter too. I was just like, "This fucking thing's a piece of shit." It's always <laughs> like that. I hated that thing, and I was glad it was, it was that I had so a couple noisy. preamps, yeah, so that I could just uh, somewhat attempt to not use it as much. Mm-hmm. Just have the the gain knob all the way down and use the gain knob on the preamps of the five to five elevens, right. I think I had two of those. Yeah, I think you said something like that. Yeah. My my plan was to try and convince him to buy, I think, an additional two so that I would have four 511s or yeah. some other 500 series module preamp. Yeah. And then maybe some rack EQs. Right. But you had, and, and you had a... You had a um, Lindell, um, that 76 clone, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the... Uh, so that was really uh, grabby. And the EQ. Oh, you had the EQ too? Okay. I had the EQ for a while. I didn't mind the compressor. Um, I, I, I tried to use it uh, sparingly though. Yeah. Because once it broke up, it was gross. Like, oh, really? that, that's not an 1176. Yeah. 1176 breaks up and it sounds nice. I've had those, um, those, uh, whatever the hell they are, those Lindell compressors. I've had a couple of them for a while. Um, I've never pushed them to distortion yet. Not like real distortion. Um, so I don't know how ugly they get. But uh, I just found that as soon as you hit a certain threshold of gain reduction, they immediately break up. Almost like they really? clip. That's interesting. Yeah. And it's just, and it's not even like a really, uh, I don't know. It wasn't a very pleasing kind of yeah. uh, grit that you got out of it. It was almost like uh, digital clipping. almost. Gross. And I'd almost argue that digital clipping would sound better. Because <laughs> like that, the Lindells, as soon as they 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 break up. They, they yeah. just like I said, it, it's See, not an eleven seventy six, and that's that's not their reputation at all. I wonder if you had a bad unit. Yeah, maybe yeah. this guy here, or these two. I have two, uh, one from each generation, revision one and or the original generation, and then revision one. I think 
Um, they look dramatically different inside hmm. to be expected because they're redesigned, but um, they, uh, I find the compression, it's almost impossible to do like gentle compression, you know, like, like, an, uh, the 11, the, uh, the purple audio, uh, the purple actions that I have. Yeah. It's, it's pretty easy to dial in just a, like some gentle compression, even at a four to one ratio, um, where it doesn't sound like it's doing a lot, but the Lindell's, I, I just find it's, it's tougher to, to dial that in. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to go back. Um, I want to go back to the whole clone thing. I read, um, have you heard of revive audio? Um, I'm not hundred percent sure where they're from, but they're, uh, they're one of those, they're one of those mod places down in the States where they okay. take, they take gear, they modify it and then resell it for a higher price. Kind of like black line. Right. Yeah. Similar idea. Um, they haven't, they haven't gone as big as black line. Like they haven't, they haven't started their own product lines yet. Okay. Um, but, uh, apparently long McQuaid can get black line stuff. Black line stuff. I, yeah, I, I've, it blew me away I when I found black, that out. <laughs> I, I bought, I, I bought a 500 unit, 500 series unit, um, from the downtown store. I think anyway, or maybe I sold it. I don't know. Uh-huh. I miss those black line preamps. I miss those. The O tour, they were oh, a, yeah. they were a really like pointy. <laughs> yeah. But you don't need any more preamps. I don't. If you get is, more preamps, uh, Roland I, gets to slap you with an open hand, very hard. Yeah, and he's got he's got big. Oh, hands. he's got big hands. <laughs> so that's coming from somebody with big hands. <laughs> so, um, um, I was reading their take on the new Clark Technic eleven seventy six with the Midas transformers. Yeah. Right off the bat, they say the, um, the Clark Technic unit starts off better than the Warm Audio. Hmm. It's overall, it's overall spec measurement thing, whatever technical mumbo jumbo they were using. But they were, they said it already starts off better than the Warm Audio, and then they do some power supply upgrades, they do some component upgrades, and blah blah blah. Um. But that made me even more interested in getting one of the Clark Technic units. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Because I, I, I really want an 1176, but so many of the clones, because they're easier, so many of the clones go for the, um, the cleaner, later model 1176s. And I feel like if I'm, if I'm actually going to get a clone, I want to get the early, I want to get one of the early ones. Like a, ones. Yeah. Like a, like one of the blue stripe ones or something like that. Right. That's what I wish more companies would do is like, Oh, this is our black face 1176. This is our blue face 1176. Hairball, um, hairball audio does that. They have, um, the, the, now they're a do it yourself company, right? Like, so they provide you with the kit and you build it. Um, but they have, they have the black face and the, and the blue stripe, um, versions of their kits that you can buy. Do they have the purple stripe as well? Purple stripe. Which one was the purple stripe? I don't know. There was like a anniversary version where the, there was it, some purple on it. it. It was blue. It was it was a black face with the blue stripe. Whereas the I whereas the old there was like a um 
I can't remember. Like, like the Universal Audio University um, Anniversary Edition. You're gonna okay. make you're gonna make me look it up on the computer. Yeah. I, don't I, mean, know. I, mean, I thought for, there was one with uh, purple on it though. Huh? Because I, I know that there's the black one with the blue stripe, but I thought there was like um, a silver one with purple. A, a silver one with purple? Yeah. Man. Uh, Maybe it was like just a completely different company. Yeah, well, because there's there's Purple Audio that does their 1176. Yeah, it's but purple. their 1176 is all purple. So you're saying it was silver with a purple stripe instead of the blue stripe. Purple stripe. Let's go into Google, seeing if anything comes up. Um, let's go to images. Some of the blue looks kind of purple. Maybe that's what I was seeing. Yeah. And I just always remembered it as a purple stripe. Because revision, yeah, that, that, that's, that's right. Um, revision A, back when it was still Yuri and not Universal Audio, mm-hmm. um, revision A was the silver face with the blue stripe. And in, in this photo, that definitely looks purple. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, but... In this photo here, it definitely looks blue. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. Regardless, I, I would still like it if like Warm Audio actually made a blue face. Because it is the black face they cloned, right? Yeah, it was um, Revision D or Revision E. Because those, those are the ones that get into the lower noise, cleaner signal path, less distortion. Um that's weird because I always found the blackface to be like the more well, but the the, the revision B, aggressive distortion. You're making me go back to revision B. Um, you know what? Let's let's go out of images. Yes. Going to uh, here we go. The DIY recording equipment guide to. Um, 1176s. Yeah. So, um, revision a revision a was the, was the silver face with a blue stripe. Okay. Um, wild transients tremble in fear of the enigmatic blue striped terror. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, June 20th, 1967. Okay. So then 1970 brought out revision C cause that was, um, I guess revision A and revision B were both silver with the blue stripe. Okay. Um, and then we got revision D, which is the black face. Revision C, D, or C, E all C, had D, the black face. Black and they face. came out throughout the, uh, the first three years of the 70s. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. I don't think... Do you want me to read some of this? Uh, Universal Audio's current reproductions are based on these C, D, and E revisions. Um, uh, if you're looking, f- if you're looking to DYI an 1176 rather than buying a new one, revision D is the way to go. Uh, Do they tell you why revision D is the way to go? Okay. Um, so uh, most 1176. 
fetishists reading this have already noticed two conspicuous differences between the Rev-A and the compressor most known to us today, the black front panel, and the LN signification. These were both introduced with Rev-C and codified with the new Rev-D. LN stands for low noise, and all of the circuit changes in Rev-C were intended to reduce noise and distortion. These include reducing the voltage going to the gain reduction FET to make uh, to make its operation more linear and incorporating a Q bias pot to minimize distortion. Mnats reports that his Mnats Nats I don't know how to Is that the that. engineer's name? I, I think so. Um, reported that his Rev D build tested 3.4 decibels quieter than the Rev A. Okay, C, D, and E are all in fact the same circuit with some superficial differences. For Rev-C, the LN circuitry was kept in its own epoxy module to protect the not-yet-patented design, but was added directly to the main PCB for Rev-D. Rev-E merely added 220-volt operation in order to aggravate transients on both sides of the pond. Oh yeah, okay. So they just added a 220 switching transformer. Okay. Um, oh, Mnet is one of the, um, is one of the, uh, clone builders. Oh, I remember reading that from before. Okay. So I'm going to go back to the Rev A. Um, you know what? Let's start from the beginning. Start from the beginning. 1176 used to dangle from big name engineers racks, like so many fruits from Tantalus's tree. They're now well within reach of anyone with a soldering iron and a modest budget. And where there was once but one DIY option, there are now a myriad to choose from. But why indeed so many producers, so many projects where there is only one 1176? Revisions. According to Universal Audio's website, the 1176 underwent at least 13 revisions. God. From 19, uh, 1967 to 1973. Most of these consisted of either cosmetic makeovers, such as revision H, or minor tweaks that didn't reach the audio pass, such as revision D and E. Others, however, were overhauls that significantly affected the compressor's sonic character. With, um, yeah, MNATs, a very a veritable Bill Putnam of the DIY world, now offering PCBs for Rev A, D, and F. Which one should I build? Is common is a common question. So without further further ado, let's look at the revisions and what they can do for your sound. Okay, so we already talked about C and D. Um, Bill Putnam created the first 1176 in 1967. Although it was the basis for all 1176 revisions, the re- the revision A has numerous. Pre- peculiarities that set it apart from the others. It is the only revision to use FETs rather than bipolar transistors in the preamp and line amps. It also cosm- it, it is also cosmetically unique, supporting sporting a distinctive blue stripe through the meter. Finally, revision A does not have the low noise circuitry of later revisions, which means it imparts more harmonic distortion at the expense of, of a higher noise, noise floor. The UA website tells us that there were only 25 of this revision made. But revision B, there's um, more, I yeah. imagine. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, uh, re- um, the MNAT's revision A PCB is actually based on what UA calls revision AB, which 
changed some resistor values and added a bypass cap for the resistor feeding the gain reduction FET. So for all intents and purposes, it is a Rev A, but with more stable and controllable limiter. All right. Okay. That's fair. Revision AB is probably the one most people have if they have a blue stripe. That makes sense. Yep. Unless you're like Chris Lord Algie or one of those guys who has like all the money in the world <laughs> yeah. to buy gear. Um, what's his name with that with that uh, that humongous wall of rack gear? Uh, JJP. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I so, would say his name, but his name's ridiculously long. Um, revision H. Ooh, here's revision H. Um, silver faceplate, red off button, blue earray logo. That's it. Not much a revision. Oh, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So, so here's here's so here's revision H is just faceplate look upgrade. Oh my uh, god, it looks ugly. Okay, odds are you. You probably know by now which revision appeals most to you, but in case you are still trying to sort it, sort out which one is right for you, let's do a 10-second oversimplified takeaway. Okay. Revision A. Juiciest, noisiest, vintagiest. Vintagiest. Okay. <laughs> uh, revision D. Lower noise, classic character, closest to the modern repros from UA. And the one most commonly um, uh, reproduced, I think. Yeah. Uh, revision F slash G cleanest unique output transformer. That's the one that, um, that, uh, the purple audio is based on. Okay. And I wouldn't be surprised if that's the one that, uh, the warm audio is based on as well. Uh, we should look that up. Um, revision a, uh, revision H snazzy faceplate. Um, Oh, revision G revision G has no input transformer. Uh, really? Uh, yeah. Huh. I remember I remember reading something about that, but not thinking anything about it. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah. Um, so most clones are most the clones CDE are D or F. D or F. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz most I mean it's it's easier nowadays to build something that's that's cleaner because the parts are just overall revision D. That's the one that uh, warm audio does. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Um, Purple audio and Mohawk are both revision F I think. Um, And I don't, I don't know what so many of the others are. I know a lot of the ones that claim to be clones are really loosely like inspired by, (laughs) which always makes me laugh, but yeah. Um, anyway, I'd love to get my hands on a big unit cause they look nice. I, I would still like if uh, a company would clone the revision AB. Look up, look up hairball, man. They, um, they do, they do both a 500 version and a, and a standard two space rack unit version. Okay. Here, I'll look them up for you. Just because I know you're interested. Hairball audio. All right. Um, Analog FET 500. No, let's analog FET rack. Here we go. So they have a revision D kit 
and a revision A kit. There you go. See? Don't that look pretty? I'd put one of those in my rack. I would too. Although in truth, I really would want to put two of them in my rack. But how many thousands of dollars would it cost me to... Um, so the complete kit both cost 600 American, but you got to build so it yourself. So that's about 800. Yeah. Yeah. 800 plus shipping. So let's say it's 900 each. Um, and you got to build it yourself, which would totally be fun. I'm sure. There's no tubes in the 1176, right? Mm-hmm. No, no. It's a, it's a fat. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I could do that. Right? You could, just, you could probably even get away with... I'm scared of doing anything with tubes because I know you have to discharge the tubes first. Yeah. yeah. Even if you don't think there's a charge, you have to discharge. Yeah, well, because you just don't know, right? Yeah. Yeah, I am... Um, and I don't know enough about electronics to be comfortable or with discharging a tube and building a thing. I always... I always come down to the fact that I just don't have time. You know, like I put off so many things related oh, to man. work. Are you right? kidding? If I bought one of those, it'd probably take me two years before it was built. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. eh? Although you could, you know what you, you, you know what you would do? Mm. This is what you should do. Find some way to take it to work and work on it at work. I don't think, they would appreciate me working on a compressor at work. <laughs> Although chances are I would bring it to work just to ask my tech and be like, am I screwing this up? Yeah. Can you verify <laughs> that I wired this properly? <laughs> yeah. I've always wanted to, um, I've always wanted to build one without a PCB, like point to point wiring. I think that would be a ton of fun. I, I mean, like it would be so easy to get lost, right? Incredibly easy. You'd have cables everywhere. Yeah, but that's the thing is some of the some of those early designs were were not even close to as complex, right? Uh, oh yeah, that, that's part of why I think I could probably build one of those is because it's nowhere near what it is these days where it's like you need a PCB because. Yeah. Because yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it just, especially for those of us that aren't, that aren't electronically trained. I.e. me. And me. Yeah. I know how to build some stuff, but. I don't really know what I'm doing. I just, I see a diagram and I, was I like, can follow oh. instructions and I can assemble parts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know why that part needs to be there. You yeah, know, right? Exactly. <laughs> like I, I look at some of these designs that have, that have the variable, um, the variable resistors or variable something. You've seen them, those little blue yep. parts that got a little dial on top. You have to have a micro screwdriver to twist. I could put that in, but I have no idea what that's for. And they could tell me what measurements to look for, but I wouldn't know if I'm doing it right. Those are the ones. That's almost where, where I draw the line. Like I'm terrified of that. Yeah. Anything where I have to like fine tune the resistance. I don't think I would want to build that. 
Although I'm sure once it made sense, once it made sense, it would be super easy, right? Part of me would love to build a 670. I think you should. With the exception of having to discharge 22 tubes. (laughs) (laughs) I think you should, man. Like you should, you should do the research, figure out all the parts, find out how much it's going to cost. Something like five or six grand. No, for the for all the parts, yeah. if it, it, no way. Yeah, there's some DIY companies that'll provide you with all the parts you need for about six grand, five or six. That grand. doesn't make any sense. Yeah, that that sounds like it should be fully and they'll made. build it for you for ten. That's fucking retarded. Yeah, considering I can buy an actual one for about that much. Exactly. <laughs> Man. Um. I don't know. It, it just seems like the DIY crowd and the clone crowd hasn't right caught. Like I think it's because the 670 is not as popular as some of the other compressors that everybody's cloning right now. Because it's so much more expensive. Yeah. Well, I mean, like like the uh, like the SSL the SSL 4000 compressor, super simple circuit, which is why which is why people. Um, make so many clones and the clones can be made for super cheap. Like you can make, you can make a clone. Are we talking about the G style? G series? I didn't know there was clones of it. Oh yeah, dude. Um, Do, do quick searches. Like you'll find, you'll find kits for like $600. You'll find, um, you'll find uh, instructions and part lists and you could, you can build it for like four, Hmm. like a full stereo chain. You can build for like 400 bucks. Yeah. Huh. Maybe that's 400 American, which is like 1200 Considering Canadian, but... buying an actual like 500 series G unit stereo compressor, it costs like three Gs. There's a, uh, there's one on eBay right now in Canada, out, I think in Thunder Bay, um, where he's asking for like 19, 500 series though. I put that that's in my not rack. bad. I was just looking at what Long McQuaid could get him for. And it's just like, oh, yeah. wow. Because I was thinking, you know what? Let's order one of these for the store. And then I looked at it. I was like, that'll never sell. Yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> um, yeah. So so, so they, they can be had super cheap. Obviously, these 1176 clones can be made super cheap mm-hmm. um, comparatively, right? Um, so it's just, it's so much easier to make cheaper stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to go back. We got really sidetracked because we never really talked about, like we started talking about DAW. Yeah. And then got choices and then totally tangent for the last, the last 45 minutes. But it was all audio related. I know. Unlike most of our tangents. <laughs> I want to thank Chris for asking us to talk more gear. <laughs> um, yeah. So <clears throat> you, you're considering, you're not even considering. You're going to actually go through no, that, I'm right? I'm going to do it. You're just install to Cubase play with it. Oh, I you, already have it installed. No. Oh. I just right. have to register it and then play with it. Play with it. What are you planning to, what are you, how are you planning to test it to play with it? I got a couple songs. So um, you're going to do a, you're going to do like So like I'll mix? probably, at the very least, I'll do my editing through it. Because mm-hmm. I, I already know that I like the editing side of Cubase. Cause they're like, especially the comping tool. That is awesome. <laughs> I've never done it. I've never done a project. I've never comped a project in Cubase that I haven't priorly, um, um, recorded. 
so yeah, I've, I've, and, and I don't know how I would go about doing an entire like song, a multi-track song, importing into Cubase, lining everything up on the right track so that you can comp it. I've never done that. That would never it, will. It, it just, yeah, it just sounds like super tedious. <laughs> Someone's at the door, hang on to her. She might get really, really crazy. She'll be fine. Hello, sir. What a disaster I am. Sit down and tell us about it. We're, um, we're, we were just talking about, uh, about uh, the fun with Dawes. All right. So I, I, I suppose I'm uh, like 15 wait, minutes. Wait, wait, wait. Didn't you test that mic before? You know what? I don't. I don't There's know. 15 minutes left in the show? Yes. Yeah. Is this, is this, uh, which way is is it the dot? I don't remember. That that makes more sense. Glenn, talk. Well, you know... Yeah, that makes more sense. Uh, now, this just reinforces my reputation of being, you know, late or early. Oh, it's all going to hell in a handbasket, isn't it? You're all right. I'm all right. You're all right. I'm all right. You're all right, man. Okay, enough me. Banging away on this microphone. At, so, least, at least we had it set up for you. Oh, and thank you. <laughs> uh, Fifteen minutes left in the show, and the guy there's, there's not wanders even, there's, in. There's ten. like eight. Eight minutes. Oh no, you're right. There's like ten. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. Well, we've I, been, br- I brought a checklist. <laughs> see if we can bang it off. Well, number one, eliminate all your clicks, pops, and noises in your mix. Give us something clean, you Sorry, know. Wait, wait, what? What's mastering? Called? You gotta. Oh yeah. Okay. So you, you gotta you gotta start off with. Yeah. With that, you know, I gotta be more clear, don't I? I think I think I think it would help if you organize. Introduce be clear. yourself, Glenn, and tell us why you're here. Well, I'm here because last time I wasn't here, I didn't show up, <laughs> and I figured, well, you know, I can't do that again, so. I'm here. Last 10 minutes. What were you guys talking about? Uh, switching DAWs. Yeah. Oh. Both of us are both of us are in the process of 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 experimenting with new DAWs. Reaper, I bet. Um, well, I'm I'm experimenting with Reaper, but for different reasons than you would think. And Joey is experimenting with the new Cubase. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I only have one thing to say about it. All right. Commit to one DAW, learn it, and stick with it. See the problem that the, the problem that I have, and the reason I'm I've been I've been considering a change. I've been with Cubase for over 17 years. Yeah, since 1999, I've been with Cubase. Okay. Long, long, long time. Yeah. I know it really well. There's still lots of things for me to know about it well, that I don't know. They're so and, deep. Exactly. And, but I know, I know the stuff that I know. Yeah. But in 2014, I think it was, they changed the look of the mix window. Maybe it was 2013. They changed the look of the mix window and I fucking hate it. Like it slowed down my workflow. It made me make more mistakes. They hid buttons. They, they just, they, they made it cater to laptops 
and tiny little screens so you could fit a ton on the screen and be completely resizable and everything. And it just, it's awful for my workflow. 10 seconds. Hmm. Why do you developers, once everybody's got everything down pat, they've learned everything, why do you go and fucking change it? In this case, it was specifically because most of their audience are home studio. Uh, most most of their user base are home studio guys, and most of them are working on laptops. I'd, I'd be willing to say that's probably that's probably the main reason why they made this change. And I and I understand it. Yep. But they didn't make any concessions for for the old old design because the old design was fantastic. It, to, to me, it was it was a beautiful layout. It was very simple. It was easy to switch between between the views. Now, and that team left. Um, yeah, they left two versions earlier, though. Like the the team that the team that designed Cubase six, which was the the version the last version that I loved. That team wasn't the Personas team. It was, oh, okay, it was okay. The team that made Cubase four was the Personas team. Cubase six was a fantastic, oh. fantastic software. My goodness, and um, and uh, they were also the same team that made Cubase seven. Anyway, so I'm I'm toying with I I've, I've been looking for new mixing software because I still love Cubase for recording. It's faster, editing is faster. The the amount of editing that you can go into is far deeper than a lot of other DAWs. Everybody I know uses two, two DAWs. Uh, some people use one, and I wish I only had to use one. Right. Like I, I wish the Cubase DAW was, was less. I wish it was less scalable. Okay. Fixed sizes for things. I, I would appreciate that. Anyway, so, so I'm kind of obligated to at least learn the basics of most DAWs. And and you, and you do that for in work, retail. Right? I have yeah. to explain the differences. So I'm kind of the same way with the five DAWs that we have on the computer so here. With me, as I, I mentioned earlier in the podcast, the only reason I'm trying out Cubase 9 is because I was given a free copy of Cubase 9. Oh, nice. Perks. So, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, I have a free version. I may as well use it to see what's new about yeah. it. And you, Glenn, what do you use? I use um, Ableton. Oh, okay. I didn't and expect that. I use almost exclusively uh, Personas's Studio One. I, I love it. And you know you know what? It it is almost like the engine. I mean, it's Pro Tools. Hmm? It, like if you were to take all of the functionality, it's just that they do do it in a different order. Mm-hmm. But there are two two keystrokes uh, to pull in a Pro Tools session. I love Studio yep. One myself, but it just doesn't agree with me in terms of workflow. Yeah, I'm 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 the same. I really love their project, their project side, like the it, mastering, the, the mastering side. Yeah, so that's why I love it. Yeah. Um, but I don't have, I've been unwilling to upgrade to version three, um, to get the automation in, in there because it doesn't, I, nothing that I do in, in there, I can't do with anything else except for the CD writing, like the CD authoring. Right. right. That's the only thing I can't do in another 
in another DAW. So. And that's why I love it so much is like you can you can be working on a song and hit a button and up, uh, update your master. Like yeah, I if I was if I was working I I always I mean cuz I'm doing I'm usually spread out over two other DAWs anyway. Right. I um and when I do go to and, and most of the time it's just see the authoring now. I go into Studio One. I load up the sessions. Adjust. Uh, do your assembly. Do the assembly. All the all the metadata entry mm-hmm. and um, verify verify clips and all that kind of stuff. Do a final listen and then print. You know, I'm even doing I'm even doing more mastering because of the automation thing. I'm 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 just doing more mastering in Pro Tools. It's just easier. You think it's easier to do mastering in Pro Tools? Well, uh, the, the simple mastering, no. Simple mastering um, Studio One is is superior because it's it's simple. But if I need to, if I need to um, create uh, an automated an automated reverb trail at the end of a song to right. replace noise at the end of a song, or or if I need to, if I need to boost the level of a chorus and, and, and turn down the level of a well, version of a three verse or something, right? Version three does, yeah. but version two doesn't. Okay. There's no automation. I didn't even know that. Yeah. There's no automation in version two. And because I have all these other DAWs anyway, the upgrade price of 160 bucks or $200 or whatever it is, isn't worth it to me. Right. So I just haven't upgraded. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, pretty adverse to upgrading even reaper where i'm i'm guaranteed all the updates until i think it's the next DAW. what is your go-to DAW? reaper yeah i I, I know i've never and i've never seen it like i've never even seen a like a picture of the graphic so so one of the things that that has made reaper appealing to me and why i've been long considering making the change is the fact that you can change the look of it and Joey introduced me to the API skin, which looks great, but it's too contrast, too contrasty. Like the brights are too bright and the darks are too dark, which is, so I, I haven't been able to make the switch. I'm thinking and, of downloading the, 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 the beta of his new skin for nice. his API. It's not just it, the skin you showed, me, like, you showed me that. They'll do the, the keys. Part, and, well, and, and that's, that's the thing is, is part of the, part of the, um, part of the skin, part of the theme that a programmer develops is where to place where to place buttons, what they look like, how big or small they are, all that kind of stuff that I think is just fucking fantastic. It, it is. And yeah. so I stumbled upon I, I stumbled upon the Imperial theme by White Tile. Have you seen this? I think he showed me. It looks it looks like a it looks like an 88R. Okay. It, it it it. I mean, not exactly, but it it has that it has that general feel that just just makes me smile. Everything yeah. about it, like visually, Those are the themes I tend to like are the ones that are based off of. Like, so if yeah. you're used to Cubase, I even I even keys, you can you can go in and you, customize the keys yeah. you want. Okay. I, and I've been I've been slowly doing that as I've as I've been getting used to um, getting used to the theme, figuring out where things are and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, I've been slowly rewriting the key You commands. have to re- rewrite it. It's not part of the skin. Yeah, it's not uh, part of the skin. It's part of the program. You uh, can download shortcut keys that are made is, by other people. Is doing that. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, most DAWs do. Pro Tools does not. Um, that's it. Glenn, glad you could join us for the last uh, last 10 minutes. Yeah. It was great having you here. <laughs> we will see you guys all next time. Follow our hosts on Twitter at Two Bodies of Water. You got that mic in a comfortable spot yet? I'm still working on it. At Joey R. Engineer. F- I can't even talk. I don't remember what my point was. This is a boring podcast. Um, I realize at the end of this, we didn't introduce ourselves. On to the internet you go. Go switch off.